they're out again. Maury and Tim escape from the radio. And now, those two guys, Maury Eskenazi and Tim Hunter. All right, on this week's episode, Maury, I was excited to get in here and talk to you about my experience at the Chateau Saint-Michel Winery. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we went last Saturday. First off, we hadn't planned to go see Chris Isaac, but a friend said, hey, I'm going. Do you want to come along? I have some tickets. And we go, why not? We've never seen him. Love to get out to the winery. Just couldn't get out there this year for whatever reason. So we said, sure. Well, uh, she showed up later than I like because basically I like to get in line by three. Yeah. Because you can set up there and everything else. And then when they open the gates, you'll you'll get a fairly decent spot. Well, can I ask a question before sure. you continue? I apologize. No, for that. that's fine. Is it assigned seats or do you sit in the. No, you pay about 50, 40, 50 dollars more for assigned seats. And they're plastic and you really can't move very much. What we, and I really do like this better, you get some low lying chairs, you bring your blanket, you just sprawl out, you set it up there and you're on the lawn and it's just great. So I've done a lot of concerts there and I really wanted to see Chris Isaac. So we went and, uh, you know, got there. Finally got in, ended up being way more to the side than I wanted to be. But nonetheless, we were set for a great show. Bought some wine, and Chris comes on after an opening act. It was okay. While he starts to perform, there's flashing behind him and thunder roaring. And it's like, oh, boy. He got four songs in, and then the PA announcer came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, we need to evacuate. Leave your stuff where it is and go either to your car or in the winery. Wow. Okay, for a lightning storm, I'm not really wild about going into my car. So I said, well, let's go inside the winery. So we went in there, and we waited and waited and waited about 45 minutes in, uh, somebody made the announcement, we've gotten permission to go longer tonight than normal, so hang tight, folks. We're, we're going to see what we can do and wait out this weather. They and had, you were in the winery? Yeah, inside the winery, with packed how many, like how, sardines. Yeah, I was just going to say, with how many oh, millions of everybody, people? Yeah. Everybody. Every open space to sit was filled, lots of people standing. Well, then 90 minutes after we got in there, they announced that it had been canceled and we had 20 minutes to go out, pick up our soaking wet stuff, and get to our cars. And it was like pouring. Uh, it was just like, pouring rain. Yeah. Everything was wet. I mean, I remember walking and I had a, a cooler in this hand and a picnic basket in this one, and the rain's going into my eyes and it's burning because it's salty. And then and everybody is going to their car. Oh, yeah. No, and, that and was the way a they madhouse. park there, isn't it like in a field type thing? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, oh, I just have anxiety just oh, hearing man. this story, oh, by the way. It was, and it was a first. Uh, the people at the winery said it was the first time this had really ever happened like this. And that was a mega storm. Right. No, were, that never happens. No, it never, ever. So I was blogging about it on my blog, what a stupid name for a website.com. And I wrote all the, the everything I just told you and everything. And, and then I thought, well, before I publish this thing, I'm going to go to the site and see if they made an announcement about anything because there was just radio silence. And lo and behold, Chris Isaac's rescheduled, and he's going to be performing September 22nd, Sunday. So we're going to be going again. So it's, you just use those. You, you use the same get ticket in. stubs. But what I was uh, blogging originally was that it was the most expensive concert of my lifetime because uh, for four songs – I'd paid a $50, well, two of us, $100 for tickets. Uh, I, we had bought like $100 worth of wine. 
and twenty dollars for parking. So you're in the you know two hundred and twenty dollar club for four songs. Tell me about uh, leaving. Uh, what the radio station or just no. the- <laughs> uh-uh. leaving the concert? I mean, uh, how, was it, that like a oh uh, it, it, a shitstorm? It was. I yeah. mean, everything's wet. Right. Every, you're just I was just drenched. And so you're in the car, and windows are fogging up, try not to hit people on the way out. And everybody's trying to we, leave. I think we got out of there about a half an hour. Wow. And as we're driving, we're listening uh, to the Huskies to, yeah. to get a score. Right. And they found out that they've been delayed. And about 10 minutes before we got home, the game resumed. So I ended up going inside, changing into dry clothes, and staying up for that debacle. Yeah. You know, and I never go to concerts. But the night before, Friday night, I was at I saw the Marymore Park. I went to yeah. see Ben Folds and Cake. Yeah, out there, and uh, we had seats. We paid ah. my kids. Get, this was my birthday present. They oh, paid cool. extra seats. They were plastic chairs, and it was a it was a lovely sitting in chairs experience. Yeah. The concert was fantastic. My main problem in life is that I'll be at a concert enjoying it, mm-hmm. and I think that man, I parked my car a million miles away. I don't we know if I'm. Leave I don't early. know if I'm going to be able to find my car. Oh yeah, because I go, how am I going to? There's no numbers or anything. My daughter goes, oh, it's right by the soccer fields. Well, so both of my kids bailed on me. They went with other people. Oh wow. So I was on my own, and about cake was really good. Both con- the concert was fantastic. About ten minutes. Before uh, the uh, the encore, I said, "I'm bailing. I'm out of here." <laughs> well, you're gonna miss. Yeah, I'll listen to it. That's fine. I enjoyed yeah. it. I was there for like seven hours for yeah. six. So, and I'm going. How am I gonna find my car? And of course, they go, "Just push your." That's thing. what I do. Everybody yep. does that yep. though. So I'm walking. I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm hearing beeping and stuff. So I got it's to my. There. I got it's to my car there. and got out without a without a trace but oh nice but i got a text from a friend of mine there's an app that's out there that when you go wherever you're going you click on this app and it'll gps you so when you go back it'll show you exactly how to get what's the name of that app i don't know i'll find out Oh, great yeah okay well i'll put it on my website okay fine be that way i'll look for it i don't know what it is off (sighs) so yeah the husky game i started watching the husky game i was excited because i have direct tv I don't get Pac-12. Oh, yeah. I was excited to see Jacob Eason. I saw him, like, what, throw one pass, and then they uh, uh, suspended for, like, two and a half hours. And right. I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think the universe wants me to watch the Huskies today. <laughs> I think that I think that's what the deal was. I think uh, I kind of dozed off a little bit on the couch. When I woke up, they started playing again, and I stayed to the bitter end. Oh, I did, game. too. Yeah. I, I dozed off, I think, uh, during the third quarter and woke back up for the fourth and it just I know people uh, that were there. I know people that went and I know people that left and then I know people that stayed to the bitter end. There was like a a smattering crowd that stayed. Well, that I had thing. friends that stayed but it took them like two and a half hours to get home. Yeah. And so they got home at like 3. Yeah, exactly. 4 or something like that. So. Exactly. And and the my uh you know we were talking the other day about uh uh, the Seattle Times didn't have, you know, because the game was so late, they didn't have the score. Or King 5, they yeah. were doing the sports on Saturday morning, right. and they didn't have the Husky right. score. And I was thinking that, uh, I thought it was kind of funny, because my newspaper, my Sunday paper, arrived like 15 minutes after the game ended. 
Wow. So, yeah. No. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> By the way, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Your birthday was yesterday. Yes. Which was the anniversary of me starting at the radio station. Really? So uh, my very first day in the air was a year ago yesterday. Huh. I did not On know your that. 15th year of service. Right. Yeah, So exactly. you've got a 14-year lead on me. All right. Good. So, well, congratulations. Thank you very much. Did they much. do anything special for you here? They here, uh, no. Uh, no? They wish me happy birthday, but- they- I do a lot of stuff with the American Cancer Society, and those gals showed up with pie. They brought me a pie. Oh, that pie was, was from yesterday? Yes, it was. Oh, you were offering that, it at the meeting. I thought that, maybe it just, just came out of the oven or something. It was, no, yeah, that's how fantastic. But that was another pie another friend brought in for me yesterday. Oh, wow. And then You're the, the pie man. I know that. They know that I'm not a big cake guy. So, anyways. But yet yeah. you went and saw them in concert. Exactly. Jeez. Crazy. Well, that's nuts. I know, it is. And today, then, uh, we're recording this, of course. It's September 11th. And I always wrestle with that because it would be really easy to just go into a funk. Right. And get depressed because uh, that was one of those events. I mean, like growing up, it was the JFK assassination. And you go, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. And then September 11th, 2001 happened. And it's like, talk about redefining, oh, my God. Right. JFK, I was in kindergarten. So it's uh, kind of like I was you a little older than you. Yeah, yeah, you don't really remember it. But this, where were you? Were you on the air? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, the interesting story there. Okay, so it's Murdoch, Hunter, and Alice, KLSY. Uh, we came on the air at 5.30, as we do er, did every morning. And that morning, we had a, uh, I had put together a pre-recorded feature, an interview with an author of a book called 9-11. It was about emergency calls to 911. Wow. So we had that in the can. We're ready to go. It was going to play at 550. And at around 540 or whatever, the news started covering that a plane had crashed into the, one of the towers. And so, of course, immediately we all thought, ah, oh, just, you know, it's one of those, it's a small plane. It's a Cessna or somebody just got stupid and crashed it in there. And then we started seeing the coverage. And then, you know, while we're on the air trying to sort this all out and looking at the bulletins coming across and realizing, well, th- this is crazy. This, And then another plane crashed. And all of a sudden our world was different. Did you stay on the air? Oh, yeah. We were on yeah. the air the whole time. We uh, tried to pass things along. I mean, it's really tempting at that time to just go with whatever you hear. Right. But if you do that, you'll easily pass along bad information. It's like Facebook, but it was audio. Right. So we, uh, no, we stayed on the air and tried to pass along. We had network things that popped in and stuff like that, but, uh, and then took listener calls. And basically, that's uh, one of the strengths of radio is when something happens. Right. Gives people a place to gather. Right. You know, it's kind of one of those days that you never forget as long as you live. All right. I, I I was working downtown at Nordstrom's, but I don't go in till like 12. And uh, we, I remember sleeping, and my son called. He was on his bus going to school, and he called us, and he goes, there was a plane crash at uh, the World Trade Center. And I thought it might have been, and I heard the news, and I thought it was like maybe it was the anniversary of the, when the, the, they had the explosion there a few years before that. Right. The World Trade Center. 
Okay, so then, you know, we watched the news and I called in Nordstrom's. Yeah, we're not closing. We're open. So, okay. So I drove down to Seattle and it was like, it kind of reminded me of the scene in Armageddon where a million people were leaving the city and I was the only car going into the city. It was the weirdest experience. And it was, and I, I was there and they finally shut her down like about an hour into it you know it was uh, it was weird and then and then just watching coverage for what for three or four days in oh, a row I know. Yeah. well you didn't know if it was over right yeah i mean that was the thing when we thought oh a plane oh wow two planes right. oh my god the pentagon oh my god pennsylvania and it's like when is this going to end and they closed i had some friends that were back on business in uh, on the east coast and uh they were trapped there they ended up renting a car Renting a car and driving it all the way back. I had friends. The Huskies were playing Miami in Miami that weekend. <gasps> oh, that's right. And I had friends that uh, they landed them in New Orleans and spent a week in New Orleans oh, in man. an empty New Orleans, if you can believe it. Like Bourbon Street, was there was nothing going on in the United States. Yeah, I think the younger people that weren't around yet or at least of an age where they could remember all this stuff, they will find that hard to believe. Right. I, I Hope they don't come to the point where it's just like, ah, eh, that was then. Or it's like, you know, Pearl Harbor. Right. For us, it's yeah. like it was a tragedy, but that was a long time ago. And right. Oh, well. But things, but what you said, it changed the way we live, and it totally did. I mean, oh, yeah. before that, you would go on a trip and just, you know, there was not... There was no security before then, right? No, you'd go to the airport yeah. and greet someone at the gate. At the gate, with yeah. a sign that said "Welcome" and right. you know, "Great to have you home." <laughs> and the thing is, we don't want to become. You don't want to let the terrorists win and have them affect everything you do. But at the same time, you don't want to become complacent because basically that's what it was. I mean, right. they slipped in all those you know weapons in their spare time or on other flights and. Uh, so this is why I didn't talk about this. No, they, the yeah, I know. But, you know, it's uh, it's no. kind of like one of those things where just like the Holocaust, you just mm-hmm. you you want to keep talking about because you don't want the generations to forget about That's it. It's the right? never forget thing. Yeah, yeah. never forget. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Mm. It was pretty sad, too. And then I knew people that um, they were supposed to go to Miami, but they got sent to Southern California and when they were there, they, uh, I think they were going to get, it was a cruise to the Husky game. Oh, That's what yeah. it was. It was a cruise to Miami. Okay. Because I think it was like maybe the next week or something like that. So they were in Southern California, and while they were waiting, you know, because they couldn't get on a cruise ship, they took like a tour, like a helicopter tour. Um, this friend of mine's parents did, and it got in an accident and crashed and killed that was that one. There, yeah. Okay, because yeah. uh, Larry, that, Larry Nelson was on that was, as well. Was on the cruise when that happened. He right. didn't. He didn't do that. You know that. I remember he. Larry told me about how they had put like black wreaths on the doors. Yeah. Of it the was victims. either a plane or a helicopter. Yeah, it was I can't like remember. a. Yeah, it was. I think it might have been a plane, but it yeah. went down. It was a tourist thing, and right. Yeah, you we, know, people had done it a million times. Yeah. But, so it was parents oh. of my of a friend of mine. Oh. To, to make that week even more oh. horrible. Yeah. Anyways. I, I didn't realize that was the same year. Yeah. I remember that event happening. Yeah. So, oof. What next? What is your greatest weakness? Um, Pie. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. That's been fueled by You know what? My, my Here's my, here, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'll lay down on the couch and chat with you. <laughs> I'm a, Dr. I'm, Tim. I'm a people pleaser. Uh-huh. And you know sometimes it's a it's a good thing, but sometimes it's a very bad thing to uh, 
to rely on. Uh, How on did that. you end up there? I mean, I have I'm, no, I don't, I have no clue. I have no idea. Maybe it was, you know, growing up and uh, I had to make a point where, um, you know, to get attention of my parents, I had to do something to, uh, to go, oh, yeah, good job, Maury. That's good. So, yeah. You know, I remember being a goofy kid. I don't remember being so much into making people laugh or comedy. Yeah. But what happened was uh, I went to a parochial school, Lutheran school, through corduroy, six, corduroy pants? Uh, no. Oh, no, that would be no, Catholic. No, it's Catholic. Yeah, um, the Protestants broke away so they didn't have to wear corduroy. Got it. I was uh, there through sixth grade, and then they suddenly closed the school, and my parents had no option but to just put me in public school, which when you come in as a brand-new sixth grader. Oh, that's and, fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it was a blast. So, you know, they had the cool kids pick on me. Yeah. All that stuff. Well, I found that by doing goofy things or making them laugh, they say, yeah, you're, you're all right, you know? So I got them to like me by being funny. So then I just found myself doing that more and more. And then uh, over my teen years developed a, a way to get people to like me was to make them laugh. And I'm still trying. I was going to say, <laughs> how's it working out now? How's it working out now? I don't know. Do you like me? <laughs> Do you really like me? <laughs> I know. Yeah, so, I think I had the same. I think I had the same kind of thing, you know, because I was the the kid that had husky jeans on, you know. Oh yeah, and not University of Washington husky. No, the Sears husky uh, Sears husky with, jeans with cuffs with the, on them. Yeah. What yeah. do they call the tough tough, tough skins or tough yeah, knees or something, something like that with the double layer on the yeah. knees? Could you always? Yeah. So I always was the. I joked around just uh, so they wouldn't beat me up. So it's all good. It's different now. Yeah. It's different nowadays. People like kids. you. Yeah. What else you got? Um. Oh, this is something I've. I wonder what your thoughts are on this. What is the perfect age? For what? For for you. What? What? Where were you at your peak? Where is that? If you you're going to be you know, capsulized somewhere. It's so funny that it's so funny that you say that because you know as I turned sixty two mm-hmm. yesterday, and and I don't you know I don't f- feel like I'm sixty two. I still feel right. like I'm immature and you know that type of stuff. And but I was thinking this the other day as I get out of my car now. Um, I feel my fake knee kind of oh. uh, like that. And I was thinking, you know, and when I was in my 30s, I was playing softball on three teams a week. And, uh, um, you know, I could eat whatever I want. I didn't have cholesterol issues or right. high blood pressure, that type of stuff. So in my 30s, that that was my uh, good times. I've told this story more to an awful lot of um Younger people, and I hate that shows we're old right there as we're saying young people. I feel like I am still 35. Yeah. 35, 36, that era, because, you know, you were there and then the rest of your life happened, but I still feel that. It's when I look in the mirror that that severe disappointment hits. Yeah. No, you but know. But the what? bottom line is, I feel 35. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you 100%. And my thing is, when I go on Facebook, I go, who's that old man with those people? I go, oh, shit, that's me, for God's <laughs> sakes. So, yeah. Well, I try to tell people in their 30s, I say, this is it, folks. I mean, you know, you'll get older and everything else, things will happen, but you're going to feel like this, you, the you that you are right now. You're going to feel like that for the rest of your life. Why do you think that, um, why do you feel that you still feel like you're in your 30s? Because I have a feeling that uh, wherever I worked, I always worked with people that were younger than me. And, you know, I'm not counting back in my 20s when everybody was older mm-hmm. than me. 
But I think hanging around younger people and, and, you know, our business that we're in, you just don't come to work and go home and watch TV and go to sleep, you know, that type right. of thing. Right. Yeah. I know uh, when I was hanging out with Larry Nelson, I was his producer for four years. He used to always call me wise beyond my years. Mm-hmm. So um, You're an old soul. And that, yeah. I, but I started working with him when I was like 25. Then uh, that went through like 29. And then that went away, and so I was out looking and ended up at KLSY. So I was there for just shy of 20 years after that. But those years, I mean, a lot happens. By that time, you've had a kid, maybe two. Right. You've hit your career finally after 10 years of college. has finally kind of hit a stride. Yeah. My kids seem to be, um, and my kids are in their 30s, and they seem to act more mature than I do sometimes. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's all good. But you stay, yeah. you're st- stay close with your kids? Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, I'm still I still close. Mine still live in the state, but I don't see him that often. Yeah, well, I, you know, mine live in uh, in Seattle, and uh, I never wanted to be. I, I, I and I'm becoming it. Um, call your mom, you know that because I used to get right. that all the time. That right. guilt, and that's kind of what's going on right now. Well, my kids, you know, I don't. I you know, as far as the world of technology is these days, you don't have to talk to him every day. I get a text occasionally, and hmm. and. Uh, I say that with tears streaming out of my face. Uh, no, I, yeah. I enjoy seeing them. And How many I, do you have? I don't even think we well, have two been... kids, a uh-huh. boy and a girl. How old are um, they? Uh, Tyson is 35. Named after Mike Tyson or yes, Tyson, Tyson 34. Chicken? Tyson's 34. Yeah. And um, uh, Christina is thirty. going to be 37 in December. No, Tyson was named. We were looking for something different, and we saw that uh, around when we were looking for a name, that uh, Pete Rose was naming his kid Tyrus after Ty Cobb. Huh. And we liked Ty, and at the time Charlie and Ty. Yeah. So there was Ty was a, had a good connotation. So we went with Tyson. Part of my deal is that I want them uh, to you raise your kids to. Give them the push down the street on the right. bike or the, you know, get them going in life and give them a good base and then let them live their life. Because if you remember back when you were that age, you know, yeah, I knew my parents were around, but it's like I had other stuff going on. Right. When, and I want them to be that way. But when you were in your 30s, the age of your kids, you had kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, me too. My yeah. kids don't have kids. Oh, well, what's the holdup? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you I kids. hope they're listening. Yeah. My, my uh, I have no idea. You know, my daughter is, and I'm sure she's going to be happy I'm saying this, Angie's 38, and my son, oh. my son Jordan is 35. And I work with uh, women who have babies, and they'll bring them in. I'll get my picture taken with them, and yeah. then I'll text the picture to my daughter. <gasps> oh. And then she just yeah. laughs in my face, basically. Oh. So, yeah. so is she planning to not? I don't know. Just, uh, I have no idea. It's kind of like- uh, Wait until there's a sale? They or? change the subject or something like that. I don't huh. know. And I don't think I'm having any more kids. No. So, but what I do is I just get close to friends of mine, and like there's there's uh, this group of women who come to trivia at uh, the bar that I host trivia, in, and you could bring kids, and they bring this little four year old adorable girl, and I'm kind of become really close with these people. And oh. the little girl gave me a hug a couple weeks ago, and I looked at her mom, and I said, "That's it, I'm paying for her college." Oh, jeez. And she goes, "Can I bring in paperwork for yeah, you to sign?" Please sign. Yeah, that's awesome. So this is something I want to ask you, too. I'm getting at least some of the things I've always wanted to ask you. Who is the teacher? We're back in school now. Who is yep. the teacher that really inspired you? Um, Were there several? Man, I was uh, 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 kind of a smart-assy 
type of student. Oh, so this will be a very short list. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was. Do you remember? Uh, you know what Deca is? Yeah. Distribute. Yeah, yeah. Were you in Deca? No, I wasn't. Oh, I was in Deca. I loved okay. Deca, and my uh, my teacher, Mister Molitor, was his name, mm-hmm. and he. Um, Basically, he was the guy in charge of DECA, and then I had a... Here's how long ago this was. He was also the typing teacher. Oh, yeah. So I took a typing classroom. That was the biggest, the smartest choice I ever made for was classes. Was taking typing. Because my mom said I should take it, and I said, I don't want to take that. All the girls are taking it and right. stuff. But I became a writer. Yeah. So... I didn't Oh, become yeah. a writer. Oh. But my dad was like, you know, I remember him at home, like, we're doing work, and he'd be typing like a million miles an hour, so... Anyways, I took a typing class. Mr. Molitor was, uh, he kind of taught me and got me excited about uh, marketing. You know, that was the whole thing of DECA. And Mm -hmm. we took over a grocery store, and I was kind of helping in charge of that type of stuff. So, yeah, so he he totally inspired me, Mr. Molitor. I don't know if he's around anymore. I know. There was one of the, uh, there were actually a lot of teachers in my past. Mr. Maxwell, who was an English teacher, uh, always had a, a dry wit. Yeah. He would say things just, you know, matter-of-factly that were funny, but he didn't acknowledge they were funny. Right. So I, I just love that. So it's You know, it's it's really weird uh, the way uh, teaching is nowadays than when we were young. Because I, I remember this teacher that uh, she was a real horrible woman, and she made me sit in the back right of the class in the way back because of my uh, sense of humor and stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then I remember I had a teacher when I was in elementary school that people were talking. He would throw stuff at us, like to shut us up, like uh, uh, not even like a ball bearing type thing he would throw at us. I had another teacher who had a diabetic seizure in class. And he was like, he was walking around and he was like, like he was drunk. And we were like afraid to to do anything. Finally, some kid ran down to the office. Oh my god! And took care. But another another one of my teachers that totally inspired me. I played mm-hmm. football in high school. This guy was named Pete Dixon, and uh, my friend Stu Malloy, who owns GSR Rentals in Monroe. Oh, was good, in, we got him in. This was week. in the class with me, and Pete Dixon, who was from Boston, Massachusetts, always told us he was our football coach. You have to hit hard to make varsity. That was it. I'll never forget. <laughs> Hit hard to make varsity. That's, That's kind funny. of stuck with me forever. Yeah. Yeah, we had Coach Carl Strong. He was my JV basketball coach. He was also a football coach, but I just played basketball. And his famous thing was, you guys are going to run lines until my legs are tired. Oh. <laughs> and, and, oh, that was great. I mean, it's... Were you good at basketball? You were a tall kid, I was kid, okay. Right? I was, you know, um, an average... I was six. Three, which isn't that tall, uh-huh. but tall enough to be a forward. Um, the coach that was there was trying to build for the future, so he had four sophomores starting and me. So where the cool part is that, hey, I get to start. Uh, the bad thing is that all the other seniors on the team hated my guts because oh. I was the one starting. You know, so they hated the coach, they hated the sophomores, and they hated me for – being the one that was chosen. So, you know. as far as basketball goes, you know, growing up in Southern California, were you just the Lakers guy? You a big yeah, Laker fan? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Lakers. Uh, well, there wasn't really was it any. Kareem other team was there, there when you were there. When uh, you were younger? Well, no. Now, if we're going to go back that far, I was Wilt. Grew up with a Wilt. Well, before that, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, yeah. uh, Daryl Imhoff was the center. Um, big white uh, guy, Tommy Hawkins, Keith were, Erickson. Remember that guy? I remember the name. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no. But and then there were the Elcinder or Jabbar years. Um. 
Yeah, it was uh, – well, the thing I remember about it is that the Lakers could never put it away. They would always go to the playoffs and never win. They'd lose right. to the Celtics or they'd lose to New York or they'd lose Willis to Willis Reed somebody. would be hurt and he'd yeah. just come in at halftime and yeah. just score a million exactly. points. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So, no, those yeah. were great years, and I loved basketball back then. It's kind of lost me. The Sonics thing did not help. Right, loved, I agree. Love college hoops. I think there's more passion, and it's a cleaner game where the NBA is kind of like – Turned into professional wrestling with a right. ball, right? You know, I, in a, you know, and as now we're going to have a sports conversation, but <laughs> college basketball I enjoy, but you know the thing I hate the most, I don't like about it is the one and done. I mean, yeah, uh, they got to uh, do something about uh, that. Kareem Jabbar, he played all four years, but the first year he couldn't play because freshmen couldn't play. Remember that? Right. Back in the day? Right. That's when they started before slam dunk was against the rules, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the one and done. And there were no three points. Yeah, no three points. Yeah, Freddie Brown would have been uh, the the biggest scorer in the history of the NBA. Well, and you think of all the points that Pete Maravich scored. Totally. Yeah. But there was no three-point right. line. Those right. were all just shots. Right. Yeah. That was an exciting time. We had a kid on our the Torrance High School uh, team, um, Jeff Berger, and he just idolized Pistol Pete Maravich. So he got the haircut, the bowl haircut. He had the droopy socks. Yeah, he was the and, man. Yeah, Pistol was, Pete. he was a deal. Yeah. Oh, here we are reliving our youth. <laughs> See, we've gone back. We went back to the mid-30s and then just kept I know, going. Right? So. <laughs> All right. Well, anything exciting oh, well. coming up for you? I do a lot of stuff with American Cancer Society. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of uh, I know a lot of women who are breast cancer survivors, including Heidi May, who um, who works with us. Who are bad? These women are badass, and and they take control. And the thing I love about it is that um, they uh, are always giving back. I mean, they 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 they're totally involved. Well, yeah, once they beat it, or yeah. you know, they they're just they saying, I'm gonna go to come out and help you, help somebody out. I uh, and the reason I'm saying this is that I am the I work it for Relay for Life and making strides against breast cancer, and it's, and I'm one of the real men who wear pink of Somish County. I was at uh, Heidi May had a fundraiser called Booba Palooza mm-hmm. last weekend, which is great because it allowed us to say the word Palooza. I know, right yeah, there. exactly, yeah. exactly. I met this woman uh, that was there. She had no hair. It was her friend, and I was chatting with her. And she, this is she's going through her third bout of breast cancer, oh. three times. Is she was she upset and crying about it? No, she was nope. she was uh, outgoing and uh, and you know telling me you know chemo is horrible and it sucks, but you know what can you do? You just live every day, and and that's why I volunteer my time. Uh, to do whatever it takes to get rid of cancer because uh, my big thing that I say is uh, cancer is a dick. That's that's my big that's, You should get a bumper sticker. I know, right? Yeah, with that. I know. So. so anyways, so that's coming up. October 26th um, is um, is Making Strides and uh, Real Men Who Wear Pink is ongoing till Making Strides. So that's what's going on. Can with you me. put stuff up with uh, on, on our KRKO Facebook page? I can, page yeah, and- I will. We'll, we'll aim people that way. Yeah, I'll put my information down. Would love, uh, would love for you to come. Would love for you to donate. And if you know somebody who's uh, fighting the fight, uh, tell them about him. Bring them, bring them to uh, Making Strides, October 26th at the courthouse in Everett. Thank you, Mr. Eskenazi. Thank you, sir. You've just listened to Maury and Tim Escape from the Radio with Maury Eskenazi and Tim Hunter, a WackyWeek.com production. No insects were injured in the making of this program. Well, maybe one. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us. If you didn't, please send it to someone that annoys you.